Yes, this is Spice Radio, 1200 AM. You're with me, Natasha. Along with me is Mankiran in the studio. And uh, this morning, there's something for parents as we go into our 10th year of our Hands Against Racism campaign. So you're giving you practical tips. This morning, we're joined all the way from New York with the lovely presence of Sachi Ferris. She is a blogger, a workshop facilitator. She's an educator. A very good morning to you and welcome to the show, Sachi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Sachi, I am an immigrant mom. Of course, my kids are now uh, teenagers, but it has been a learning experience for me as much as it was for my kids to educate and sensitize ourselves to the beauty in diversity. So, how did your journey start? How did my journey start? I, excuse me, I'm a native New Yorker. Mm -hmm. I grew up um, in Manhattan on East 23rd Street. And I always tell this story. I grew up in a neighborhood that was, to my eye and my perception and memory, literally 100% white. And I identify as white. So in one of the most diverse cities in the world, I grew up in a very segregated neighborhood, which is an experience that is quite typical in major cities like New York City. Um, and my exposure to people who didn't share my identity as a white person and my secondary kind of important identity as a Jew in my school community was really also reflected. It was a school with about 80 to 90% Jewish people. So that my authentic experience with people who didn't look like me or share one of my two major identifiers um, was very little, in, even in a diverse New York City growing up. Um, so I think from a personal sense, that's the kind of the first piece that has brought me to this work and my own journey of identity seeking. And your blog, which is Raising Race Conscious Children, uh, when I read this, the name, doesn't it mean that we see color? And isn't that uh, a not so positive thing when you see, see color? Right. I mean, I think uh, I'll speak to the kind of legacy of what's called colored blindness in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and if it has some parallels with Canada, you can tell me. But um, essentially, the, the legacy here is this story and narrative that color doesn't matter and that that's the goal and that the color of our skin and our racial identities shouldn't matter. Um, but we know from fact and from data, whether it's uh, police racial profiling or jobs, et cetera, that uh, in fact our racial identities and the color of our skin does matter and does incredibly impact what our experiences are in the world. Um, so the data from education, educational psychologists, et cetera, um, over the past 20 years has said, yes, like, well, colorblindness might have been uh, a nice goal. It doesn't actually work. And what we need to do is be race conscious and see color and racial identity and differences and say that out loud to our children and have that part of, of our everyday vocabulary about how we see the world. Because if we can't see that and say out loud that the impact of how we look does matter, it's really hard to be empowered to educate young people to change that reality. So what happens when our children become more race conscious? How does it change their perspective towards other people different from them? Well, I mean, I can quote some of the, the research. Um, there's a study I love to talk about in my workshops by Bridget Vitrup, um that was popularized in the book Nurture Shock. It um, highlighted a group of white children and families, and the idea was that um, 
I mean, the idea was that when they're, they were tasked to talk about race and racial identity, and in this case, interracial friendship, in a very explicit and proactive way, the attitude change of children uh, changed dramatically in a single week. So just by white parents proactively and explicitly sharing their values around race, which in, in this case, since they were volunteers for their study, were positive, or saying, we want to live in a world where um, interracial friendship is possible, where kids have positive attitudes and are able to be advocates for change across racial barriers and towards racial justice. And that talking about it is really the first step in opening up this space where that can be possible. And just on the flip side, the flip side is silence around race, which is um, how I grew up with very little information or any conversation or acknowledgement of race. Um, and in that case, what we can say is that children are still getting messages about race and racism, but they're not necessarily the, the messages that people listening to your show want. They might be negative stereotypes and negative messages about people who are different that aren't serving what uh, parents' values necessarily are. So we have to really speak to those values out loud. Absolutely. And it's a learning process for all of us, especially when we come from different countries. Now, Sachi, when is the right age to have this conversation with your child? Well, I think the conversation changes, but in my workshops, I love to talk about talking to babies. And from the very beginning, I dream of having a workshop of pregnant people and really understanding that this we can start even talking to our babies before they're verbal and for many of us who were raised um, without race-conscious language, this is a shift for adults. And I say this particularly around white-majority audiences, but process racial identities, that this is not necessarily how many of us who are parents in, in 2024 grew up. So that this is a shift in language to be talking out loud and very intentionally and proactively about our racial identities and looking at media. And when we see a predominance of whiteness, which is inevitable still, to be able to say, look at this, like I see a show here that has majority white characters and this doesn't represent our community and this is unfair and really be able to um, put this critical lens and have young people be critical consumers of the media they consume. And that can really start with modeling from a, a pre-verbal age where we're just seeing race when we open a picture book and saying, look, I see this character has beautiful brown skin. Um, and comparing it to either your own self or someone you know, or, oh, I noticed this is another book with a, a character who has white skin. There's a, a lot of books that have characters with white skin. That's why in our family, we really try to seek out books with characters who have brown skin, because we want everybody to be represented in the books we read, you know? So there's a lot of modeling that can start and open up these conversations, which, of course, get more and more complicated as children get older. How beautiful. I love what you've just said, Sachi, because uh, I mean, I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I'm a POC and we do want to see ourselves represented. So uh, I would want to I have a niece who's three years old, so I would want to give her books that represent me. And uh, I have grown up seeing fairy tales where, you know, the the protagonist has blonde hair, blue eyes, and I couldn't identify with her. But uh, right. that was what was given to me at that time. Yeah. And it's just adding to that and being able to say, hey, this is unfair. Why are all the main characters in fairy tales, or not all, but many, um, showing uh, blonde-haired, pale-skinned, blue-eyed people as the main characters? Um, and really opening up that conversation and 
the kind of so what is as kids get older having children be able to identify that and say oh there's something unfair here what can I do to change it what can I do to use my voice whether in interpersonal relationships standing up for myself standing up for a friend standing up in a larger way for racial justice etc and that's where your workshops come in you give us the tools the resources on how to address these issues uh, right from something like if my kid says something uh, which is not racially appropriate in public how do i handle that isn't it yeah i mean definitely that's a common concern that comes up in workshops um and i i try to do a lot of modeling and concrete p- practice to have uh, families who whether they are or aren't using race conscious language be able to be more comfortable and familiar with using proactive tools so that when kind of emergency moments come up um they're more practiced and comfortable in responding and really just putting on the table um in a way that's not shaming and is just understanding um that yes this is something we noticed that listen what you said might have um impacted someone else in a way that felt hurtful or uncomfortable and you know really separating out the behavior of talking about someone within hearing with the idea that yes it's still okay to notice that we're different but when we're talking about this we want to make sure that we're respectful and making sure that we're not making other people feel unsafe Absolutely. Now I am sure there are so many questions uh, on the minds of our listeners. So Sachin, when is your next workshop and how can people get access to that? Well, my website is uh, raceconscious.org and I have a uh, every couple of months I have a workshop series open to the public which is two Sunday evenings, uh, Eastern Standard Time evenings in a row. Um and that is um the next series will be in late may early june so not yet posted on my site but soon to be and where can we raceconscious.org raceconscious.org thank you so much uh, sachi before i yes, let you go anything you. else you want to add for our listeners no i'm just pleased that you reached out to me and thanks so much for your call today nice talking to you same yeah it was such an interesting and enlightening conversation you have a beautiful day ahead like quest bye bye